This is Reinvented. I'm Chris Bordoni, and this show is about the art and science of transformation. In season one of Reinvented, we're exploring what happens when adversity strikes. From finding new sources of strength, to rethinking your identity, and far beyond. Today I speak with a friend and former colleague of mine, Zach Osborne. In 2009, Zach was a 23-year-old Army Ranger serving in Afghanistan. When Zach's striker vehicle was rocked by an explosion, both of his heels were shattered, his right tibia and fibula were broken, and he suffered a range of spinal injuries. Over the course of the next year, Zach underwent 35 surgeries, battled serious infections, and had one leg amputated below the knee before miraculously recovering. This is an amazing conversation about faith, uncertainty, perspective, and resilience. Let's dive in. Zach, if you don't mind, tell me, I mean, what, what's that moment like? I imagine that it's a moment where it's just things happen incredibly quickly and you're sort of off to the races, right? Like things are just happening all of a sudden. But do you, do you remember what it was, what it was like? Is that something that, you know, you, you continue to process or is it just totally a blur at this point? Yeah, no, I mean, I, there's very, uh, like, I remember very clear parts of it. And I mean, it was, it, we were, uh, uh, the mission we were on is we were out in a, a small village in Afghanistan. And, and again, like, as this, as I was saying before, tr- you know, we, we were out there trying to spend, be very close with the Afghan folks, spend lots of time with them because it's only by actually getting to know the folks and building a relationship. Do you actually understand what the real problems are? Uh, and then you can actually help fix those problems. So we were out spending, um, uh, living with, uh, uh, in a small Afghan village. Um, and then we were actually on our way back from that mission and, uh, we're driving back and there's the thing that, uh, at least the reality that we operated in, in Afghanistan is this is a, a country or, or a part of the country that was, uh, a heavily, uh, Taliban had a heavy influence down there. Um, and so they were all over the place and their primary tactic to defeat us and the Afghan national army and police, um, there, um, was to, as I mentioned, you know, create homemade explosives, turn them into improvised explosive devices, and then, you know, primarily dig holes in the ground and plant them essentially like create a minefield. And this was for seven months, this was your life. Everywhere you went, everywhere you walked, everywhere you drove, you knew that there were basically, we were living in a minefield. Um, And it just so happened that on this day, uh, my vehicle ran over one of those and it it blew up. In the moment itself, I mean, I, I do remember very clearly, you know, it felt like I was uh, it felt like I was falling. Um, and there was probably from what I can tell, piecing it together, talking with folks over the years, I think there was probably about a minute or so where I was unconscious and I remember everything, but then I do remember, um, waking up and then realizing what had happened. And then you kind of just go back into your, you know, what you've been trained on as I reached over, uh, tried to, you know, the, my driver, um, who sits in front of me through a, a little tunnel. Uh, you know, that's usually the person who's most at risk in these things. So I tried to reach up and grab him and I realized that the, uh, the, the tunnel had been collapsed and destroyed itself. And that was probably the worst moment because I had assumed that he would, he had died. And fortunately he did not. He actually had a concussion and all that was, again, this is a very lucky 
very lucky incident. Um, and then tried to grab my vehicle commander who was next to me and unconscious and pull him out. And at that point, when I was trying to grab him, I couldn't get purchase on the ground. And I realized that something was wrong with my legs. And so at that point, I realized I probably should get out of the way and let other folks <laughs> do who could be useful <laughs> get in there. So I crawled out the back and, and this is just, you know, laying there. Um, it's really, it was really an interesting uh, so number one, I mean, the thing you remember primarily, again, it's just like I'm forever grateful for is, you know, the, the soldiers that were in my platoon, my platoon sergeant, squad leaders, soldiers, all of them, you know, they're just, they're out there. And this is what, this is the beauty of an organization that is trained that, you know, no, you know, can be very decisive at the moment. I mean, they're immediately getting to work, you know, getting in and getting the folks out of the vehicle, um, setting up a perimeter because you never know. This may actually be part of a coordinated attack. Thank God it wasn't. It was just an isolated incident um, and actually getting medical help um, on the way. And then, and kind of like that inflection point for me, you know, I was laying there and then you get loaded into a helicopter and then helicopter lands at Walter Reed, you kind of get carted in. And then it, it began a process of, uh, I found one coming to terms with a new challenge in my life, which was, and you can relate to this, the never ending, um, you know, trying to solve very complex health problems with medical technology and surgeries and doctors and appointments and stuff like that. But it was also like a really healthy experience for me because, you know, I mean, like prior to the explosion, I was, uh, what I was like 23 years old, kind of like King of the world. Like felt like, you know, very, you know, I could, you know, I uh, felt very good about the work we were doing and, you know, I was invested with a lot of authority and, you know, you're kind of running a hundred miles an hour doing your best. And then all of a sudden in a moment, you're then kind of like spend the next year on your back or in a wheelchair. And it's, it is a very humbling, oftentimes frustrating um, and revealing experience because uh, you have to kind of come to terms with that and, 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 and what, what life is like, like that. It's, it's, it is amazing how, I don't know if you found this, but it's amazing how quickly things can change, right? Like in a second or overnight or whatever it is, like your life just looks totally different. And you know, in that yeah. moment, whether you process or not, you know, you're not going back to where you were before in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, but it is amazing how we can, we can accept that new reality pretty, pretty quickly. And I don't know if this was your experience, but then just kind of figure out, okay, what's next? Like, how do I get through yeah. this, this piece? Did you find that in, in your in your healing process, the recovery process, did you, do you feel like at least looking back on it, there was sort of stages of it? Um, or was it sort of like a kind of a constant evolution? Like what, what did it feel like for you as you went from sort of day one at, at Walter Reed through, you know, the day that you, you were able to leave? Yeah. You know, there was a couple, um, I think just practically speaking, there were, as you say it, I do, I actually thinking back on it, there were stages, um, Stage one is like, I feel like it's like the initial shot of adrenaline, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like first couple of months of like, I've got a new problem to solve. Let's solve the problem. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of energy and hope and like, oh, I've, you know, I've never had to go to a hospital before, but like we're working miracles these days. And, you know, and like, you're kind of like waiting with bated breath for how, um, the, those doctors and, you know, folks who are working tirelessly, you know, you have all this, like, you have this vision of what medical care, like, you know, the, the, the age we live in medical care yeah, and all that. And so you do that, uh, for a couple months. 
Um, or and then and then there's a point when you start to realize, at least for me, where I started to realize that when when you realize you've come to the edge of medical knowledge <laughs> and you kind of stare off into this abyss and you're like, oh, and when when doctors start saying things like well, we're going to try this and then see what happens. <laughs> and you say, well, what do you mean? <laughs> don't you know? I'm like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, your, uh, you know, your, you know, your heels were crushed like an egg, like so badly that when we, you know, initially, you know, made the incision to, to go get in there and start to reconstruct it, like pieces of your heel fell out onto the table. Like, it's <laughs> just like, look, dude, what do you expect, man? Like, this is not simple. And, you know, your foot, which is one of the most complex things, um, you know, contract complex engineering feats, you might say is like, you can't just like crush that thing and then, and then expect it to be, you know, let's put it all back together just like it was before. Um, and you know, there's stuff, you know, folks were saying, you know, doctor told, and, and like doctor told me early on, like, Hey, you know, there may be a chance that, you know, you may not walk again or you, you he's, I'm certainly, be a real risk that you may never run again and, and he's like if everybody he's like you know try to fire you up you know it's like i i just i have so much respect for doctors and and nurses and because they have to walk this line right between truth and hope sure. um or what they know is true and and realistic and and hope and he's like yeah if anybody could do it maybe it's you and all this stuff and but like just so we're all on the same page here <laughs> like this is bad yeah um and he said the the uh the, the foot and ankle specialist, surgeon specialist at Walter Reed. And again, this is somebody who sees lots of stuff told me, these are the two worst calc- calcaneus is the heel bone. These are the two worst calcaneus fractures I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, oh, good. Thank you. Thank you for that, I think. Um, and, uh, um, and, and so there's like kind of like that adrenaline I found kind of gave way to a realization of, oh, things are different this may be a new normal and it may not be going like, I mean, like I remember very clearly for a good portion of my first time at Walter Reed thinking about like, okay, I'm going to go back to my unit. <laughs> I'm going to get back better and go back to my unit. Um, and, and that just in hindsight, it was like, man, <laughs> like that's just not, it's just, I mean, just like, fantasy. you know, the, it, it is, it is. And it's, you know, and I understand why, but, and then there was a point when you kind of get to that, I think the natter of my experience. I remember very clearly it was, Ju- <laughs> it was July 4th. Uh, I guess it was 2010, I think. I, I think it had to have been 2010. And the reason I remember it was July 4th is because we had been in my wheelchair and I we went up to the the roof of Walter Reed to watch the fireworks of Washington, D.C. And I had been in the inpatient for a long time, lots of surgeries. And then I finally got an outpatient, which is like huge, you know, and like, you know, starting to like live a bit of a normal life. And then I had an infection, another infection uh. and I had to go back inpatient. And, uh, and I had like a wound in my one foot that just would had, had not closed for months and months and I couldn't figure out how to get to close. And there was something like just these things you just never have to come to terms with before, but you realize the value of the skin on your body and how it protects you from the outside world. And it's, it is hard to describe the feeling of being exposed in a dangerous way to, you know, infections and diseases. And so I've gotten one of those and it was pretty serious and I had to be on IV antibiotics, which meant that I could 
I had to be back inpatient because I had to get IV antibiotics run into me every four hours and it took 45 minutes to run the IV antibiotics in me and they're pretty powerful things so they make you feel really crappy. And so like every four hours I was spending an hour with an IV in my arm with this stuff and, and it was just, it just felt like, oh my gosh, this is never ending. And, and I just remember sitting there watching those fireworks being like, this is pretty bad. This is not, <laughs> this is not, not great. Um, not great. And I, and I will say that one of the, um, the, one of the things that I feel like I was, I was taught during my time uh, recovering was that, you know, there's pain in life you know, there's physical pain, like there's, and I know there's different types of pains. I don't know what all of them are, but I know that one type of pain, and, and I, I feel like one of the worst types of pain is uncertainty. It's just, and I think that's something everybody can relate to, is that when you just don't know, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And there was, and I was forced to kind of, um, to come to terms with that type of pain quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Did you find, I want to come back to some of these things, but did you find that, so you had the first, the first few months where you're running on adrenaline, you're thinking I'm going to get back with my unit and uh, nothing, you know, just a scratch. Right. And then you had the, the, the realization that things are going to get hard. Was there a point at which you started to turn the corner again and come back around to, you know, feeling like it was possible to get back to a normal life, whatever that would look like? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I, so there's a couple of things. Um, so one, uh, you know, and I'm sure you found this is, you know, one of the things like, I don't, it wasn't like a moment, but like just one of those like constant reinforcing things is like the people that are around you. Um, you know, my mom, my dad, my family, but most especially my now wife, um, she and I were dating when I got injured. We knew each other from high school. Uh, and there's, a, it's a long story, but you know, I got injured and, um, and I was, they're trying to fly me back during snowmageddon in DC. If folks remember that in 2010 early and the flight kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And, uh, anyway, one day she just said, you know what, I'm just going to drive into Walter Reed. He's supposed to come back today, but there was no guarantee of that. And so she did, you know, possibly getting snowed in out there. And then when I showed up by some, you know, miracle, the flight was able to land and I came into Walter Reed and she was like literally the first person I saw. I mean, it was, it was odd because like Walter Reed was deserted. There was nobody there in this huge hall and they wheel me in on the stretcher and there she is. And she was kind of next to me the entire time. Um, and, and it is hard to quantify the cost uh, to folks like that, to my wife and stuff that they had to put up with as not being the person that's injured, that everybody's like fawning over and trying to, you know, help recover and all that stuff. Like, but, but yet all the cost of that is still levied on them and, and, and the support that, you know, so like the, like having those folks around you that are that positive reinforcement, keep you going, super important. Walt, the second thing is Walter Reed, I am convinced is probably the best place in the world to recover from <laughs> an injury because everybody there has somebody else that they look at and they're like, man, if that guy or gal can do it, <laughs> I can do it. Like, you know, cause yeah. it's like, I mean, there's some really challenging injuries that come through that place. And, uh, and, and it is a place where, you know, the pain and the uncertainty is like recognized people come to terms with it, but actually what's really healthy is it's actually a very attitude of like, Nope, we're going to get, we're going to get up. Like we're not going to spend a lot of time wallowing in that. Like we're going to move forward. 
And so you really don't, you don't, you don't have like a, you, you don't have a ton of time to, you know, to kind of wallow. Um, cause there's always people there encouraging you people there going through similar or worse things. And, and it's a very encouraging place, um, um, to recover. And so for me, like, I think a lot of it, the turning point, like the literal turning point was, you know, got through all those infections and, uh, you know, there was, uh, my, my injuries were both of my heels got crushed and I had, a my right tibia and fibula were broken and I had, um, uh, some issues, my vertebrae and stuff like that. Um, and so I had, we had spent a year doing about 35 surgeries in what they call limb salvage. <laughs> it's not a great, not well again, branded. In, terms of bed, <laughs> in terms of, yeah, in terms of bedside manner, there's probably a better thing to say there, but, um, uh, but anyway, that's what it's called um, in an effort to try to save the limbs, right? That's what they're doing. And they're trying to reconstruct the feet in a way that you can actually re- retain them. And we had been doing that for about a year. And then uh, there was a point in which um, with my left foot, uh, they realized that about 70, we did an MRI and about 75% of my calcaneus, the heel bone had died. Like it was, there was probably an underlying infection that couldn't you know, through all, I mean, I went through tons of antibiotics and, you know, just couldn't get to it and we would have to remove it. And at that point there was a, there was a decision to say, okay, we can remove that. We're going to have to remove it. Um, and you know, the, the options for walking and for, you know, it's just getting narrower and narrower. Um, and we elected in at that time to actually do a blow knee amputation. Um, and, and, you know, we did the surgery and, you know, in terms of, uh, talking about being lucky is the fact that that was an option for me. And, you know, after spending about a year in a wheelchair with crutches or whatever, do the surgery six weeks later, I was walking Hmm. six weeks after that I was running. Um, you know, I mean, it was, it was off to the races, um, after that. And that was kind of the, that was the turning point really for everything. Um, so that's amazing. You mentioned kind of as you're getting to that turning point, you mentioned, you know, support from your wife, the broader community. Were there other sources of, of inspiration? Were there other things that you turned to, um, maybe things yeah. that you'd grown up with, or maybe things that were new and that you adopted that, that helped you get to that place? Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean, to be frank with you, you know, I mean, honestly, the, the biggest source like, you know, kind of the fuel for all of it, um, frankly, is, you know, my faith. I'm a Christian um, and, and that um, faith background, you know, gives me a very strong foundation of hope and of, you know, wherever, like, every, you know, there actually is a purpose to all of this. And while it's not, maybe not evident to me necessarily in every individual moment, I know, like now I look back on it and I can connect the dots, you know, easily yeah. of like, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I would not change a thing. I honestly say that. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, just for, for, for lots of reasons. I mean, I feel very fortunate, um, for everything. And, uh, and, and, but anyway, in the moment, you know, when you don't really see that path, and it's actually really hard to see it. Um, you know, that gave me a really strong foundation to fall back onto there. You know, there are, uh, promises 
that are made and, and, and that you can rely on and, and the character of God and, and all that stuff um, to know where all this is going. And so that to me, I mean, that was the biggest, I mean, that has been the biggest resource throughout my entire life. Um, but like, especially in those really trying moments, um, you know, I knew I, I you know, it, it, it helps. It's like a, a, a fountain of hope that kind of keeps replenishing itself. So yeah. um, I'd say that was the single biggest source. Um, to be honest for me. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I know a lot of people have that experience. And I think it's interesting talking to some people. Some people grow up with that. And and so maybe it's more natural to slip back into it. Some people, you know, grew up in communities of faith, kind of got away from it, and then they go back to it. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, didn't grow up with it and, and maybe rediscover it. And for other people, it's not it's not where they draw their strength from, right? But I think it's, um, it, yes, for many people, it seems like it's a really powerful part of the experience. And I think faith is a very broad term, right? Spirituality, faith, like there's a, there's a lot of different... Uh, different ways that you can approach it. But I think there's something really powerful in, in, in having some help, I think getting to that higher, that higher order explanation, that understanding of like why it might've happened or what you might do with it now that you've been called to, um, called to experience it and hopefully move forward. Looking, looking back on it. Um, you know, you mentioned something you mentioned about sort of being, you wouldn't change a thing. I know I've said this to a number of people over the years that, you know, for me having cancer was one of the best things that ever happened to me, which is a really bizarre thing to say. And I think I'm, yeah. you know, I, use, I say it, recognize that I'm lucky that I made it through. A lot of people don't. I'm sure you would say the same thing about, you know, you said this a number of times about being lucky in terms of what your injuries were, what happened and and that other people yeah. were, were, were okay. And obviously there's been a lot of other situations where that, that hasn't been the case, but what, what in particular about the experience, I guess, are you thankful for? What are the things that, that cause you to look upon it and say, you know, this was, this was the right thing yeah. to happen to me. This was an okay thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so I just a couple things, um, you know, to mention here. One is, uh, you know, even, you know, this precipitated the injury, but even before that, um, like I mentioned, you know, spend, a, spend, spend about seven months walking and sometimes having to run through what essentially are minefields. Um, it's a pretty surreal and stressful experience until uh and, and like to just and also to put it put it in perspective i remember there was a canadian uh team that we were working with at one point and i was talking to the commander of the canadian team and he was like yeah you know you know what'll really bake your noodle is when you think about how many ieds did i step on that didn't go off <laughs> <laughs> and, and i'll tell you in the moment you're like oh my gosh he's right like it was just like and and so like but the to kind of put that in perspective, uh, uh, that was a very like, relatable statement. And, um, but like in that moment, what I found, and this is one of the things I'm very thankful for is you have to come to terms with that. You have to like sit there and you have to be able to take that first step across that field, drive down the road, like whatever it is. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you have to be, you, in some ways you have to kind of you know, you're doing your best to be thoughtful, but you have to give up control a little bit. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of like say, okay, like I'm going to, I got to go do this thing and you know, there's risk here and I'm going to do it and I better just get on with it and realize that, yeah, you know, I could, you know, I could die, but like that, that what really connected the dots for me though, was when I realized, oh wait, this is, this is my life. Like this was before it was, it was like this before I went to Afghanistan you know, like as people, you know, as people say, you know, you could cross the street and get hit by a car, you could slip in the bathtub or whatever and die. And it was like, 
I am grateful for that experience because it forced me to connect the dots between the two in terms of realizing that, look, yes, you're in this unique situation, but you have to realize that like this, this idea of like, oh, I could die at any moment. And because of that, I need to get, get on, get on with life and get busy and do the things that I'm meant to do and that I need to do. Um, you know, that's that they helped me connect those dots to like, not just Afghanistan to everything. And so for that, like at 23 years old, I came to that conclusion. I think that was, I mean, what a gift, right? right? At a very young age, realizing that like, yeah, like this is your life and you need to live it as, as if, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in any moment. Um, and, and I, I'm just really, really grateful for that. The second, second thing was, and this is just to kind of paint the picture here of like, um, you know, my wife and I, we started dating on my two weeks leave from Afghanistan. I came home, hung out with her, asked her out, and then I left to go back halfway across the world. <laughs> Not the ideal circumstances to cultivate a relationship. Um, and then uh, she was in New York at the time. I was stationed in Washington State. She had a couple job offers, ended up taking one in D.C. We thought was a good idea. And she took the job. Uh, and then two weeks after showing up in D.C., I showed up in D.C., and we spent a year and a half together. And it's those moments where you're like, man, this feels, this does not feel like a coincidence. And I just like, I, I, like I said, I think like, this is one of the reasons why I think the, my injury is the best thing that ever happened to me is like, I think we, you know, I was, um, you know, my wife was put into my life and, and we, you know, through there, that was our courtship and we got married and got three kids now. And like, I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just forever grateful um, for that experience. Um, and then the last thing is I I just, you know, going through this, I think it forced me to come to terms with, um, my, how I, where, where I was sourcing my identity from, you know, I was sourcing, I found like at the start of this, I was sourcing a lot of my identity from, you know, uh, being in the military, you're, you know, the training you've done, uh, you know, the deployment, you're like, you know, it's like, it's a very, you know, there's, I drew a lot of my identity from that, um, from being like an active guy, you know, and, you know, and all that stuff. And then you kind of get, you know, I'm, I'm a tall guy, you know, I'm tall, (laughs) like you're used to, (laughs) you know, towering above folks. Right. And not, you know, I don't know. It's just like, and then like, you know, you get, you get forced to sit in a chair for for a year and, and actually not be active and, and actually like do all these things. And you, and it was really helpful in terms of, you know, being thankful for those things, but realizing that that's not, that's not what makes me, me. Yeah. Right. Like I have to be, you, you have, it teaches you resiliency in terms of where you draw your identity from and, and, uh, and yeah. So no, that's really beautiful. I, I, you mentioned resilience and I want to, I want to talk for a minute about COVID. Um, cause you mentioned two things before and, and I, I'm curious to hear what your experience has been like, but you mentioned, you know, infections in your immune system and, and not having your skin and just feeling really vul- like vulnerable and susceptible. And I know when I was going through chemo, one of the side effects was that your immune system is basically gone. And so I remember, mm-hmm. I remember walking around with sort of the fear of people being near you, of someone sneezing on you, knowing that yeah. if you get sick, there's nothing they can do. Right. And that having yeah. that, that like visceral fear of I'm afraid to eat, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables because I don't know if I'll die. Like that sort of fear is, is yeah. wild. Um, yeah. and the other piece you mentioned was around sort of the pain of uncertainty. And I know 
I think this is also coupled with the fact that as amazing as medicine is, and and truly, I don't think either one of us would be here without like all the the modern marvels. But as you mentioned, there's a point where you get to where just no one knows. The people who are the experts have no idea. (laughs) And they say, well, if we do this, it'll it'll probably kill you. But if we don't do this, it might kill you too. And we're not sure what you should do. And you say, okay, well, Mm -hmm. I guess we have to pick one, right? Um, I think for me, going through that experience, I think was a gift for, for many of the reasons you mentioned some other things that that perhaps are more personal, but I then think about it as just being this wonderful training for something like COVID, like to have been able to experience that, survive that. Some of the things I feel like I cheated a bit and, and some of that uncertainty, some of that fear, uh, I had a chance to, to see it once and it's a little bit easier the second time around. I'm curious if you had a similar experience with COVID as, as some of these things have come up on your end. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest, um, I think the thing, like, especially with like COVID and, you know, all this is, I just feel like, um, what, one of the things I'm grateful for is this experience has helped given me the resources to be more empathetic to folks, um, in terms of, you know, uh, when folks are scared, right. You know, I mean, whether they, if people have it or they're worried about having it or, or all this stuff, um, you know, I think, I think the practice of building empathy is, it's very hard to learn and you got to work at it. And it's actually something that if you just look at, you know, current environment, as we've been talking about, um, seems to be something that maybe isn't valued. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, there's <laughs> us and them and you can, you can slot in us and them however you want. But like, figuring out how to be empathetic to people regardless of whether you like them or agree with them or whatever i think is a really powerful tool um you know uh to to get past judgment and and um and anyway but this is with with covid i think that's been really helpful is you know i just i feel like I, i have resources that i otherwise wouldn't have to be empathetic with folks who um you know, for all of everybody's reacting, I mean, this is a very challenging scenario for everyone. Um, and everybody's reacting to it differently and the best that they can. And, um, and whereas I think that, um, you know, it would be easy to kind of fall back into, you know, feeling, uh, either, either superior to folks who are being too worried or being not worried enough or you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, everybody can pick their, pick their view. I, I think it, that's the one thing that's helpful about the experience that I went through. And I imagine that you went through too, is you just kind of, you can just, you can kind of understand both sides of it. Right. And, and you can be empathetic to folks who, um, you know, are coming to terms with dealing with a real, a real health crisis for maybe, maybe it's the first time, you know, in their lives. Um, so. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that is for me, the empathy is like the empathy is now grounded in the assumption that I have no idea what someone else is going through at any given moment. I think that yeah. was the big turning point for me was realizing like people had no idea what I was experiencing. I've even for the people who were closest to me during that particular experience, there's no way to put into words what it's actually like. Um, yeah. and, and then you look around at other people. I remember like being in the infusion center and just having, you know, 30, 40 other people in the room who are going through yeah. their own battle and just realizing I, not only do I not know these people, but I don't even know in this moment what this person is, is feeling, thinking, um, whatever it is. And I think that has been helpful. I, I think that's challenging, right? Sometimes when you're like, I don't even know like where this person is, so I don't even know where to begin. But I think it's also very humbling and, and I think a, a, been a helpful place to approach empathy as you've described it. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Awesome. 
Well, Zach, this has been a, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And I think I'm, I'm so happy that we had a chance to, to dive into this a bit and, and appreciate you being so, so candid about some of these things. Um, it's, uh, in some way it's very cathartic, right. To have this conversation with someone else. And I think, um, I think ho- hopefully also it, it provides some hope and some, um, encouragement for other folks. Cause I think one of the other things that I've taken from this, and I think we're all seeing right now is that, you know, adversity is it's out there, right. It will find you. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is always an opportunity to find the good in it, to see wh- how it can, can help you grow. Um, doesn't mean it's going to be fun. Doesn't mean you're going to like it, um, all the time, but, but certainly there's lots of good that come can come from it. So thanks so much for, for sharing your, your perspective and your experience. It's really incredibly helpful. Oh, absolutely. Glad to do it. And I appreciate you reaching out. This is great. Thanks so much for checking out this episode. If this was your first time listening to Reinvented, be sure to click the subscribe button now. If you've been enjoying the show for a while, don't forget to leave a rating in Apple Podcasts. And if you know someone that would love this episode, take a moment to spread the word. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.